Hello and welcome in to the Quacked Out Podcast. As you can probably tell from the title, this is a bit of a different episode and certainly a special one for me personally. I was really fortunate to get the opportunity to have about an hour-long conversation with former Oregon quarterback Joey Harrington for this podcast. In preparing for that conversation, I thought a lot about what would be most interesting to talk about with Joey. And after the turbulent offseason the Ducks have been through, I kept coming back to this idea of the identity of the Oregon football program. I think whenever you look for a new head coach to lead your program, it provides a chance to reflect on your history and also an opportunity to redefine what we want our identity to be going forward. And I felt like Joey was a really great person to explore that question with. Lastly, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who listens to the show and follows along with my work on here, Twitter, or Scoop Duck. Doing this interview was a really special experience for me personally. I'm really proud of the interview we got. Joey was awesome. So I just want to give a big thank you to everyone who supported this show and also welcome in any new listeners. I invite you all to stick around as we talk anything and everything Ducks football. I'm usually joined by my co-host, Charlie, and it's been really fun to grow this thing together over the past year and a half. But yeah, even through the off-season, we plan to be around once, hopefully twice a week, and you can follow at DucksPod on Twitter to keep up with the show. Excited to share this interview with y'all and hope you enjoy. Thanks. I'd like to welcome to the show, uh, truly an Oregon football legend, former Ducks quarterback, Joey Harrington. How are you doing today, Joey? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, It's good to be talking with you. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on our show. And yeah, just can't thank you enough for giving your time for both me and and this audience of Ducks fans that we have. Um, And for me, kind of both as a fan. And as someone starting out in sports media, this is just an awesome opportunity to talk to you. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And like we, like we said before, um, I'm an open book. So uh, anything you want to ask, anything you want to talk about, I'm happy, to, uh, I'm happy to share. Great. So really what I wanted to focus on today in our conversation is, is the identity of the Oregon football program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when you talk about that, you know, in the Oregon lore, the place that people always like to start um, with kind of the birth of modern Oregon football is the story of Kenny Whedon's pick and gang green and rich Brooks and that kind of Rose bowl run of the 94 season. Right. Um, And so at that time you're growing up in Portland, uh, how old are you? And kind of just tell me a bit about what it's like to watch that season for you personally. And then also kind of does that 1994 season carry the same significance for you that it does for, you know, a lot of Ducks fans classically as kind of this birth of modern Oregon football. Yeah. So I was, I was born in 78. So I would have been a, what, a sophomore. Right. Uh, yeah. A sophomore in high school during that, um, during that season. And, and I absolutely remember it. Um, what's interesting is a lot of people don't remember that they started one and two that year. 
I mean, it wasn't like this magical run from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it was, it was a, I don't know, it was a launching point, but I think that it was, that it was one of a series of steps. And I would argue that it wasn't necessarily the first, but rather the, rather the second, because I think the first is, is Bill Musgrave and that class coming in, because when he, people forget that when he was a, and I'm forgetting now whether it was his freshman or sophomore year, they started five and one. And this would have been 1987, 88. And then Bill got hurt and they lost lost five straight games and missed a bowl game. But the following year, Bill took them to their first bowl game in what seemed like um, a generation. And there were two years with the the Independence Bowl and Shreveport and and the Freedom Bowl um, where Oregon football finally had something to be excited about again, right? And so I like to trace it all the way back to to Bill and that group because that success produced the recruiting classes that then became the 94 um, Rose Bowl and the 95 Cotton Bowl uh, teams. And then that success created the recruiting classes that then became our group of 2000, 2001. Um, and then that success then you know, launched into the, um, you know, into the uniforms and then our first trip back to the Rose Bowl. And like it, every single, I won't say moment in Oregon sports or Oregon football history, I mean, there's a, there's a definite cause and effect, right? And I would argue that the, the Kenny Wheaton uh, pick and, and that season was the second step in kind of the, the building of this program. Um, but definitely the, uh, one of the more iconic, for sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The next thing I kind of want to talk about is, is your college football decision. And I think it's important to note that you kind of make this college choice in a totally different ecosystem than we have now, really. I mean, in the late 90s, you know, all the fanfare around recruiting and the rankings and those expectations that are attached to that don't really exist in the same way at all. So as I understand it, your decision kind of ultimately comes down to Oregon and Stanford. Uh, So I have two questions for you on that. One, just kind of talk through why you ultimately made the choice to go to Oregon. Um, and then the second part of that is I just want to hear a little more about your perception of the identity of the Oregon football program at that time, because it happens, you know, before a lot of the kind of ideas around the Oregon brand now exists, right. there isn't the, you know, new uniforms exactly in the flashy offense and all of that. Uh, so what does Oregon football represent to you back then? Yeah. So well, I, I was deciding between Oregon and Stanford because those were pretty much my only two offers. Um, I was not a highly recruited um, high school football player. I, I guess that's not true. I had an offer from Oregon State, but um, that was when Jerry Pettibone was there and running the wishbone offense. And, you know, he said, oh, we're going to change it for you. And I was like, yeah, that's that's <laughs> I'm not an option quarterback. Um, but the decision for me was. Um, it, it was difficult, I'll be honest, because I had a hard time 
turning down a, a degree or an, an education from Stanford. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing for someone to say, here, here you go. Here's a free education um, at Stanford. And to say, nah, no thanks, uh, I'm good, um, was, was really hard because, well, I don't think I need to explain that. I mean, if, if you're forward thinking at all and trying to think of, you know, how do I set myself up for success um, down the road, you know, uh, uh, you know, down the road of my life, I, I think people would agree that a degree from Stanford would be helpful. But when I was trying to make this decision, my dad actually offered some um, really interesting advice, which was, you know, if you're planning on living and working and raising a family in California or New York or Florida, Texas, anywhere in the country outside of the state of Oregon, then that degree from Stanford is going to, it's going to be, it's going to be worth a lot. Um, it's going to open doors. It's going to, um, it's going to be very valuable. But if you plan on living and working and raising a family here in the state of Oregon, the people you meet, and then and, and let me back that up. And, and he's, I remember him distinctly saying, and even if you have a mildly successful career, you know, as, as a football player, um, you know, and that being, you know, you get on the field or, you know, you, you just contribute in some way, the people that you meet, the doors that will be opened, um, the community you will become a part of is far more valuable than a piece of paper from, from Stanford. Because this community, this, um, I, won't, I don't wanna make a gross generalization and say this state, but um, is, is different. And, um, and it weighs very heavily on that personal communication and that personal relationship and that personal experience. And, and I found that to be unbelievably true. Now, granted, I had um, more than just an, you know, an average career at Oregon. And so a lot of those doors have been open because of that football program or football experience, but um, take that away. And the community, um, the close, the close knit community that exists as alumnus of the University of Oregon, and, and really just kind of the pride that, that people in this community feel um, is pretty exceptional. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and it's something that I'm, I'm sure, now I know for a fact that this, these types of relationships exist, you know, whether you go to, you know, Virginia Tech or North Carolina and, you know, if, if there, there is that type of connection, but um, there's something there is something special that you can't quite put your finger on. Um, and, I've, and I've had a chance to see a lot of this country, you know, through my, through my football career. And, and I kept coming back to the, the uniqueness of Oregon and uh, the state and the Oregon football program and, and the connection that people have to it. It's, it is pretty unique and pretty special. My dad was pretty spot on with, with that advice that he gave me. So that, that was really helpful, you know, your, your initial question. Um, in, in making my decision uh, on where to go. Um, it was also close to home and my grandparents could come and come and watch me play. You know, that was, that was, right. I'm, I'm from a big family that, um, you know, we all grew up with each other and, and that was important to me. Um, 
In terms of the identity of the program at that time, you know, Oregon had had the 94, um, I guess it would have been the 95 Rose Bowl and the 96 Cotton Bowl, you know, after the 94 and 95 right. seasons. They'd had that success, but then they missed the bowl game the following year, which would have been my senior year in recruiting. And so there was this kind of, there was this idea that Oregon was kind of a flash in the pan, um, you know, an anomaly that, that existed for a couple of years. And, you know, we're just kind of going back to being mediocre again. Um, and so the program at the time was, I'm trying to think of how best to describe the identity of the program. Um, it was grassroots. <laughs> it was, um, it was just kind of starting to understand itself, right? This, this was the beginning of the, of, of Phil Knight's um, true connection with the Oregon football program and right. you know, plans for the indoor, the Mashovsky Center and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, just kind of starting to go down that road. And so I think that this was, in terms of the identity of the program, it was an opportunity to, you know, to examine who they were, who we were, um, and then decide how, you know, to understand ourselves and then, and then say, how do we want to get better? How do we want to compete? You know, what do we need to do to compete with or to be uh, at the level that we want, we all want to be, you know, in the next few years? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that for me, I look at, you know, you talk about those building blocks, and I think the 94 season is a big one of them. Obviously, Phil Knight kind of behind the scenes after that 96 Cotton Bowl, bringing in some extra investment and the rebrand that goes along with that is another big moment in the Oregon program. <laughs> um, and the next one I want to talk about with you is, is the 2001 season, your senior season, which is this breakthrough moment for Oregon football in terms of grabbing the attention of a national audience. Obviously it's, it's the first 11 win season in program history after the first 10 win season, the prior year. Um, and the stars really aligned that year. There's all these comeback wins. It's just a special year for a really special team, but I want to go to, you know, what it starts with, which is this huge bet on the Oregon football program. Uh, and I think you probably know what I'm talking about. The, yep. the billboard in Times Square with the picture of you in the Ducks uniform, and it says on it, Joey Heisman. So I have two questions on that. First, what's that decision-making process like for you? Because this is a huge, huge gamble on the program. And you, this homegrown kid, is going to be the face of it, right? Um, and it could have gone badly, obviously. It could have had some really negative effects on the program if you do go six and five or whatever it is that year, right? Yeah. Um, and then the second part of that is, why do you feel like that 2001 team was the right group to make that kind of big bet on and to announce yourself with? And ultimately, why do you think you guys were successful in living up to those lofty expectations? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start. Um... I'm trying to remember. You're good at asking these double questions, so I have to circle back. <laughs> uh, um, 
Your question, original question was about the decision behind it. And I'll say it wasn't my decision. I mean, it, this was, uh, this came from the marketing department. I, I don't know who it directly came from, um, you know, somewhere up the athletic department chain. They, I remember Jim Bartko coming to me and, you know, this was during this time, you know, one of like the, other than trying to get on the depth chart so you can get onto the, uh, the college football video game, you know, like that was one, wow. one thing. But the other fun thing is like certain certain groups or certain players would get put on billboards up and down I-5 or in Eugene mm -hmm. or around town. And they'd been doing that for a few years. And so Jim came to me and said, hey, we want to put you on a billboard next year or a billboard, you know, coming up. This would have been the spring before my senior year. And yeah, sure. Of course. Great. And then maybe a week or two later, he said, we found a spot, um, but it's in New York. And I was like, why do you want to put a billboard of me in New York? But sure. Okay. And then a couple of weeks later, he came and said, all right. Um, so we've decided it's going to be a 10 story billboard, uh, kitty corner from Madison Square Garden uh, in, in Manhattan. Okay. I mean, what am I going to say? I mean, <laughs> no, um, you know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a consideration. And, and, and I think you asked, you know, it could have been a colossal failure. Yeah, it could have. Um, but that wasn't even on, that wasn't anywhere on my mind. And I, and I know that wasn't on the mind of the people. Well, I can't say that. I can say that as a very confident 22-year-old college football player, that was nowhere on my mind. And, mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't, and it, not that it was, um, this is going to be the greatest thing ever because I'm, you know, I'm going to be an amazing football player and it's not going to matter. But, but like the idea of failure and um, what it would mean, you know, the long-term ramifications of this, that, that just never, you know, that was, that was never in my stratosphere. So that's kind of the decision making behind it. They said, "Do you want to?" You know, said we're going to do this, and I said, "Okay." Um, why was this team the right team to capture that? Um, there's a lot of reasons behind that. You know, you you, you talked, and, and this goes back to the identity question that you asked. You know, that has kind of been the you know say the. You re you've referenced a couple times in this interview. Um, when our recruiting class came in, it came in on the heels of the, the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. But like, like I said, that was kind of a, an anomaly. And I think the players themselves accepted that as an anomaly, right? Because when we walked in, I'll never forget this. The, the beginning of my freshman year, that fall, looking around, and we had our list of goals. And, you know, at the top was winning the, you know, winning the Pac-10 and, and going to the Rose Bowl. And I thought to myself, I was like, why is that the top goal? Like, there's a national championship out there. Like, you're not even putting that as your, as your vision at all. Um, and every, every player, Coach Pilate gave um, gave every player at the end of the season a 15-minute exit interview. You can talk about anything you want. You can talk about playing time. You could talk about, um, you know, your political science professor. You can talk <laughs> about you know, whatever it was. Um, uh -huh. And I asked him why 
don't we ever talk about winning a national championship here? And he said, that's an interesting question. Um, because the scene and his answer was because the seniors decided that if we put the national championship as our goal and lost a game, then that goal is automatically gone and we have lost something. Mm -hmm. And my thought was like, well, that's stupid. You know, that, <laughs> why, why would you not try and win a national championship just in the event that you might not win it? Like that, that's, that didn't make any sense to me. So after that, you know, and it wasn't that night, but I very distinctly remember we were down on the first floor of um, what was university and Barnhart Hall now, and there were five or six of us guys in there, freshman uh, football players, it was Rashad Bowman and Justin Peel and Wes Mallard and uh, Steve Smith, um, Garrett Sable, Chris Tedderton, and we decided that we were going to win a national championship. That was it. It was like we were sitting there in the dorms and it's like, screw this. You know, we're not going to put up with and it, and it wasn't it wasn't that seniors were holding us back, but it was more like. They're not going to. We are going to change the way that we think about things here, right? We're going to change right. the way we approach things. We're not going to be satisfied with. Almost getting there. So from that moment, and really over the course of the next four years, everything we did and everything we talked about was trying to win a national championship. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that it had really happened. That was the first time that Oregon had, um, had truly had that on their radar as a realistic possibility. And, and with a group of, group of players that, um, you know, would ultimately come together to, to you know, come as close as, as any group has come so far. Um, right. And so you ask, why, why were we the right group? Um, I think it was a bit of lightning in a bottle. Um, mm -hmm. The right time in terms of having the financial support, the right time in terms of, um, you know, having the opportunity to make a splash after beating Texas in the, in the holiday bowl, the right, the right time in terms of having the, the, the group of core group of seniors that we had and um, not only ambitious, but talented. Um, and we had an incredibly right. talented senior class and um, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but we had six guys from that class go on and play in the NFL. And, and that was, that was something big for, for Oregon at that time. So um why were we the right group for a whole bunch of random re reasons that kind of all came together uh, at the right time. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You, you talk about, you know, a national championship. And, and for me, I think of this story about a billboard going up in times square, and that's a really big marketing decision for Oregon. And, and it kind of builds this connection to me to this, phrase that the Oregon fan base has kind of rallied around in recent years, which is the idea of a national brand. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the rest of the Pac-12, it seems like, is, is comfortable sitting within the West Coast. And Oregon, along with maybe USC and a few others here and there, is one of the programs out West that has made a priority of kind of breaking through that, that regional framework and moving into a national audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, that's one of my questions for you about the Oregon identity. Do you view capturing a national audience as something that's kind of fundamental to Oregon's identity? Yes and no. I think that 
I think that it's a byproduct. You know, Jimmy Radcliffe used to say, you know, you'd always do our goals every year. Of course, top of mind, you know, win a national championship. And you'd come up and say, no, 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 that's not a goal. That's a byproduct of accomplishing the goals that you set along the way, right? So the brand that Oregon has created is a byproduct of what they have produced. And, and, I th- and, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the right way to phrase this. this is an interesting question. Um, because for the first time, the country really started paying attention to Oregon with, with that billboard, right? right? And then they watched us and we went 11 and one. And then we got left out of the national championship game. Mm-hmm. And then we went out and destroyed Colorado while Nebraska got beat by Miami. And there was this, there was this sentiment that Oregon should have been there. We were almost kind of, you know, darlings of, of the country because they wanted to see this program that had never been around before against Miami. Right. Right. The, the big bad return of the U. Um, yeah. We, we wanted to see it too, but that kind of piqued the interest. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the marketing took off in terms of uniforms. And then Coach Bellotti's vision and his willingness to think outside the box and his willingness to experiment, to push the envelope in terms of bringing in, we brought in Gary Croton originally, that wasn't quite the right fit. And then he ended up with Chip bringing him in from New Hampshire, right? You know, Coach Bellotti was from Chico, you know, these smaller school, I, you know, that guys that come in with a, you know, a chip had a chip on his shoulder, um, you know, with, with a little right. bit of a chip on their shoulder and a little bit, the willingness to try something new, um, and, you know, that became the blur offense. And, and all these things are, they're fun, right? And people like to watch fun. People in Tennessee, in Florida, in, you know, Illinois, they, they like to watch. They like to see the, the Oregon f- fashion you know, as it kind of started, they like to see the, the, the Oregon blur offense. Those are things that are, that are very different than, let's say, USC's national brand. Mm-hmm. USC's brand is based on what, 11 national championships and <laughs> Heisman, Heisman trophies. Right. Um, Ohio State's national brand is based on national championships. Alabama's national brand is based on national championships. If you examine all of the programs that, you know, let's call it, you know, have a national brand, I would say you would have a hard time naming one with the exception of Oregon that doesn't have a national championship. Mm -hmm. So of course I've forgotten the the second part of your initial question, but I know it had to do with national, you know, what our brand is nationally and how do I, you know, how do I feel about it? I I feel it's different, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's unique. It's not, 
it's not the run of the mill bandwagon. I mean, and granted, yes, people jumped on the Oregon bandwagon because they were winning because it was fun. It was sexy. It was cool. Right. But so many people have jumped on the Alabama bandwagon from winning the national championships. So many people jump like, like there's winning breeds fans. You know, that that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's why everybody's a Dallas Cowboy fan. That's why they're America's team, right? Because they won Super Bowls. Oregon hasn't done that yet. So to me, their brand is a little bit different. Their mm-hmm. brand is based in something that isn't, you know, almighty. It's, yeah. it's, it's quirky. It's a little bit outside the box. It pushes an envelope. It tries something new. But it's always rooted in this idea of kind of being the, you know, why, why do we, I don't say being the underdog, but why do we do the uniforms? Why do we put up the billboard? Because we needed attention, right? We, we wanted eyeballs. Right. We were the underdog. We're the new kid on the block. We're trying to break into this club. So what do you need? You need, you, you need some attention. Yeah. Um, and our brand has always kind of been on, on that kind of unique underdog attention. Yeah, totally. Well, well, you happen to do a great job of, of taking us through the years there a bit uh, and kind of allow me to do what I wanted to do, which was zoom ahead to kind of another defining era for Oregon football. And specifically, that's this five-year period from 2010 to 2014. Mm-hmm. You probably realize that's bookended by the two national title appearances for Oregon. Yep. And it's this time where Oregon really explodes into perennial national title contention, right? I mean, just being in the hunt for a national title on a given year wasn't entirely new. Obviously, your 2001 group really pioneered that for Oregon. And then I would say in 2007, before Dixon goes down, the Ducks are firmly in the mix there as well. But it's a little bit different because from 2010 to 2014, it's this sustained five-year-long quest for a national title, really. So during that time, you know, we don't really have the privilege of you being on Talking Ducks and giving us your thoughts weekly. Um, So I was just kind of wondering, what's it like for you personally to watch those Ducks, you know, to see males game tying, two point conversion catch and all of that as someone who kind of dreamed of Oregon competing nationally to see them reach that stage for a prolonged period? What was that like for you personally watching those Ducks? It was exciting. It was fun. I remember exactly where I was in the stadium when uh, when Mayo made that catch. Um, but even before that, like I remember, I remember sitting at home. I was in Miami. I was with the Dolphins, and when they were playing Oklahoma, and we had to check into the hotel for um, you know for a Saturday night before our Sunday game. And I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. Like I didn't want to drive the drive from my house to the hotel. I would miss the end of the Oregon game. And so I was like, okay, wait, I'm, I'm going to wait as long as I can. You know, I don't want to be late for check-in. And then finally there was a point where I was like, oh man, okay, I, I have to go. And I drive to the, to the hotel. And as soon as I get in, um, somebody's, you know, so get in to check, somebody says, oh my God, your ducks are, you know, your ducks are coming back. Have you seen them? I was like, what? Run up to the, you know, room, turn on the TV. And I was literally like jumping on the bed as... <laughs> 
they recovered, but didn't actually recover because it was only nine and three quarter yards, maybe even like nine and a half um, when they recovered that onside kick, right? So there is an excitement um, because it's, even though you're not there, it, you're still part of the family, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, um, I want so badly for them, and, and I say them, whether it's the 2006 team or the 2010 BCS champion or the, you know, Marcus in 2015, um, you want so badly for your family members to experience joy, to, for them to experience that. I, I, I knew what it was like to get, you know, that close. Mm-hmm. God, how great would it be if they could experience all of it? Um, what was it like for me? It was, it was probably just, you know, it, it was fun. Because at that time we were also, you know, this was the, this was the, the peak of Chip Kelly and the blur and, um, you know, tempo and wearing people out and having to change the rules. And again, we were the underdog disruptor. And even though, even though we were in the conversation every single year and we were competing for a national championship every single year, we were the ones who were doing something different. Right. Right. We were the ones who were truly like, and, and we weren't the innovators of this offense. It just happened again, like the stars aligned and, and we became the poster child for it. Right. But um, we were doing something that was different than everybody else. And the rest of the country had to kind of try and figure out how to, how to adapt to us. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. And I think you do a great job of talking about how that period was about a lot more than just wins and losses and, and even though we loved winning a rose bowl part of it was about how we won it and and the identity that we had uh and really the cultural impact of those ducks i think you know i think it's in part a little bit different from 2001 because one i think there's some more familiarity around the oregon program in mm-hmm. part because of what you did in 2001 and what happened in 2007 and plenty of other teams in between there right uh and then also just the media ecosystem around college football is just so big, um, almost as big as it is now. Yeah. You know, nationally televised games and because of Oregon's offense and the uniforms, they really become kind of a darling of the casual college football fan. And I think when the spectacle grows so big around those kind of chips, ducks bleeding into Helfrich, I think that that kind of almost engulfs the entire Oregon brand for a lot of college football fans. I think even we saw that during the Crystal era, that it was tough to really break through the perception that people had of us from back then. So what do you think of, of how we should kind of treat that group, that period, in terms of forming a, a long-term identity for Oregon football, right? And another way to phrase this is what do you keep from that time? You know, do you keep the offense? Is that something that you have to have at Oregon, a fast paced spread offense? Do you need to have the uniforms? Do you just need something broader, like, a, you know, the spirit of innovation and being different? What, what's your take on that? I think the, 
I'll say, and, and partly I'm, I'm stalling here because uh, you're asking some, some pretty great questions. Uh, ones that I, that I have to kind of think about and, and form. It's, you know, they're not just like reading off the, uh, so uh, uh, I'm not giving stock answers here. Um, what do we take from that? I think we take the idea that we need to continue to innovate. I think we take the idea that you shouldn't be afraid to take a risk, you know, on a, and, and, and what popped into my head was take a risk on a, on a no-name coach from New Hampshire, right? right? Um, I think that we take from it that even though we had two opportunities in a national championship game, we still left empty-handed. You leave with a hunger. Mm -hmm. I think those are some, I, 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 I hope I'm doing a good enough job answering the question because, you know, those are three things that just popped to mind right now. Um, right. Because I don't think things are not, you know, I am very aware that things are not static in college football, right? Yeah. You, said, you know, do we take that we always have to have a fast paced offense? No. Right. You don't. And I think a lot of people had a hard time understanding that, especially this year with Mario, which was, you know, the idea that Mario does not want to run a fast paced, explosive, you know, chucking the ball all, all over type of offense. He wants to run the football. He wants to grind it out. He wants to convert on third and three. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of fans thought, well, what's wrong? Well, nothing's really wrong. This is just kind of how that the other side lives. Right. This right. is this is this is the opposite or eh, it wasn't complete opposite. We're not talking like Oklahoma wishbone. But I mean, this is a this is a different philosophy than what you were used to during that stretch. Yeah. And so, no, I, I don't think we take things like that because we got to play better defense. You know, there, there are always things that you have to continue to work on. And I think if you get stuck in this idea that. Um, you have to be a certain thing, which is very different than understanding who you are or understanding what you are, right? So there's right. two different, you know, this got us success, therefore we have to be this way if we're gonna make it to here, as opposed to here are some of the things that we did while we were having success. And I think continuing to, continuing to improve on those will get us here. Right. Mm -hmm. I think those are two very different approaches, but I think the innovation, not being afraid to take a risk um, and, and really knowing, knowing who you are and, and understanding that even with all that success, we are still without a national championship. You know, those, those are, those are some things to take for me from that, from that stretch. 
Yeah, I, I think you gave a great answer to a tough question. Certainly, I, I don't have an answer to it either. Really, I think <laughs> you got you hit on some of the things that are there from that period, though. And you know, you talked about the hunger and the fact that college football doesn't stay static. And so, the next thing that I have to ask you about is is kind of that decline of the program, right? I mean, Oregon's right there. In 2015 with Marcus, it feels like it's this year of destiny. I think we all kind of felt like that group was going to win. Everything felt so right at that time, I think. And then they didn't. And then there's a decline after that. And and some of the homegrown guys and and Helfrich, you know, we fall into four and eight in 2016. And the athletic department chooses to make this, this really bold and scary decision you know, to basically break with 30 years of coaching continuity and this foundation that was built. Um, and, and with it out goes the entire staff, basically. I mean, legends like Gary Campbell and Don Pelham, Steve Greatwood, Jim Radcliffe, among others, who are legends and institutions of the Oregon program. Um, And even some of the superficial things like, you know, the win the day moniker that Chip had uh, is replaced by Taggart's kind of more hollow, in my opinion, do something. (laughs) It's it's a tough time, right, to deal with losing all of that. And and maybe some of the answers that you would have given to the past question, you know, in 2015 is, well, we we have to keep this group together. We have to keep the staff. And just two years after that those people in the building are gone, right? So how did you feel about that, that time in 2016 when we kind of take that big entrance into the unknown? Well, I mean, if, if I'm being honest, um, first of all, I understand, you know, you go four and eight, um, you know, injuries or not, you know, there's, there's gonna be repercussions. Um, personally speaking, I feel like it was probably a year early. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like there are a lot of things that could have been, uh, potentially worked out and, and that group given another year to, to, to work on it. And if they didn't, then yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, but that didn't happen. And, and, and partly, you know, I, I think that, I think that partly has to do with the idea of, you know, this continued innovation. Like right. what, what do we need to do to break through, right? And sometimes yeah. you gotta be a little bit radical. Um, I was really nervous, honestly. I'm a very big believer in say the study of history to you know, uh, to to help guide your decision going forward you know but uh, that's not not really the right way to put it like nobody is above failure let's put it that way right mm-hmm. nobody is above tripping and falling and so when Oregon was talking about and then ultimately getting rid of that staff I thought of programs like Michigan, who fired Lloyd Carr after winning 10 games, and I believe they went to the Rose Bowl 
right? They won the Big Ten that year and, and they fired him because he couldn't beat Ohio State. The next almost two decades after Lloyd Carr was fired, Michigan was irrelevant. Yeah. I think of Nebraska um, when they fired Frank Solich after winning nine games that year, um, taking, um, taking Eric Crouch and that group to the national championship to lose, ultimately lose to Miami. Um, and then for the next, and still, even now, it's been two right. decades and Nebraska is irrelevant. I think of Tennessee who, who fired Phil Fulmer, right? And yeah. for the next almost two decades, they're irrelevant, mm -hmm. right? So in all those cases to me, from the outside looking in, those programs thought they deserved better or deserved more. Yeah. And there's an arrogance behind that, right? There, there's an arrogance behind um, the thought of, you know, winning 10 games and having it still not be good enough. So I'm going to fire my coach, right? So kind of go back to my statement. I understand four and eight, and I understand the things that come with that. But to me in that situation, that's why I said it was, you know, a year early because you're only two years removed from a national championship appearance, right? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's understand that when you lose a general generational player like Marcus Mariota, there's going to be a little bit of fall off, right? Until you find your feet again. Mm -hmm. So I was worried that this move by Oregon was, um, was made out of a bit of arrogance um, in, in the belief that they deserved better. So that was my concern at the time. And I think my, you know, ultimately, um, Oregon is in a fantastic position. And, and, you know, they've done, they've, I will say that they're lucky that Mario was there when he was. Yeah, you know, I after, agree. After Willie left him high and dry, um, you know, to make that type of a generational change and then have your coach just bolt the following year. Um, mm -hmm. That's, that could have been disastrous, right? right? And so they were lucky that Mario was there to study the ship and not only study the ship, but, you know, as, as you've heard Rob say, he left a blueprint for how to recruit nationally. Yep. Which, you know, it could be that innovation that that Oregon is looking for. So um, how did I feel at the time? I was nervous. I was afraid that Oregon in an attempt to, because not every innovation is good innovation, right? You know, sometimes right. you try something and you get kicked in the teeth. And I was afraid that Oregon was going to get kicked in the teeth. Um, and, um, you know, I guess lucky for me, I wasn't the one who had to be making those decisions. Um, and I'm thrilled to see the way that they have, have worked out and potentially set things up for, um, you know, that next step in the, uh, in the evolution of the program. Yeah, totally. I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, recruiting on a national blueprint that Mario brought in. Cause I think that was one of the key innovations of the post 2016 period. I think that in some ways, Kelly and Helfrich and that entire staff around them, they built this kind of machine and this brand of Oregon 
And I think they almost didn't realize how to leverage it in terms of recruiting, at least. That's fair. That's they, fair. It, they maybe didn't realize exactly how much attention and excitement they had built almost. Um, and I think that, you know, someone like Cristobal outside the family came in and using that blueprint that had worked elsewhere was able to leverage those things. So this brings me to kind of the final period I want to ask you about is, is this post-2016 period in which Oregon searches through its identity by finding people outside of the Oregon family. And of course, they do it again in this search with Dan Lanning, right? And of course, I think in this, I, I have to acknowledge, you know, that part of it comes from the letter that you co-authored to Rob Mullins, um, along with 13 other players, uh, ahead of the most recent coaching search. And of course, it is was authored early in that week, right after Cristobal was let go, before we knew any candidates or anything. So I don't so much want to get into, you know, forcing you to defend the letter, because I think that you guys voice some very valid concerns and Frankly, you have every right to voice them as former players, but also I know that the letter wasn't meant to be released publicly, nor at that time specifically, right? But of course, I'm curious about how you feel about the Oregon program, and we learned some things from that letter. So the specific phrase that I want to focus on from your letter to Rob Mullins uh, is where you say that, that players are beginning to worry that in the attempt to chase a championship, we are losing what made us great in the first place. And so I'll say, you know, on Twitter and, and, and talking with some of the Oregon fan base, it was kind of ironic to me that a lot of people misinterpreted this phrase as kind of like, Joey doesn't want to win a championship. He doesn't care about that. And it's like, it's, it's ironic, obviously, because, you know, as you talked about, you kind of went to Bilotti and, and you're one of the first, if not the first person to talk about winning a national championship at Oregon. Um, so, of course, I, it's not a question for me about, you know, does or doesn't Joey want to win a national championship? Obviously, you do. But it's, it's more a question of how you believe a, a championship should be pursued at Oregon, right? So what do you think of that answer? You know, when you look for a new coach and, and it's someone new to take over this identity, what are those key things that, that they have to have to make it work at Oregon uh, that maybe wouldn't work, you know, or is different from the blueprint that would be at, at another one of those big blue bloods? Well, you, you, you mentioned, the, you mentioned the, the word blue blood. I mean, it was, it was used right. in... in um, in the letter, which which I authored. I mean, we don't need to, <laughs> you know, bring other people in. I, I the the way this came about was, um, you know, you play the game of telephone with with everybody, and mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of up in arms. And, you know, oh my God, Willie left us for his job, and Mario left us for his dream job, and you know, I, we're we're angry. You know, why does everybody keep you know keep leaving? Um, right. So I was, I was encouraged by someone to write a letter on behalf of kind of all the group. And, and so I kind of, and, and so I just, Hey, you know, I heard from you, you know, you heard from so-and-so, you know, you passed me their number so I can run this by them. And some people said, you know, hell yeah, I'm on board. And some people said, Hey, let me, uh, let me review the letter before you send it out. And um, you know, some people just, you know, it, yeah, it, right. it came about, be, you know, just kind of organically right at the very beginning as we are all, um, 
and I don't think it's just former players, but I think any Oregon fan was, um, I don't want to say caught off guard, or I wouldn't say disappointed. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, th- I still don't quite know what the, the adjective is for what, how we were feeling at that moment. Um, but the feeling behind it and, and, and kind of, you know, I'm trying to think of how you phrase your question and bringing back the blue buds and is, is kind of this idea that we really talked about this whole time, which is, who are we, right? Who are we and who do we wanna be and who do we wanna be going forward? I use the phrase blue bloods, which is, uh, I think a lot of people had a, had a hard time. What do you mean we're not a blue blood? And, and I'd ask them, what, well, what does blue blood mean? Well, well I don't know. I mean, it, it, someone who's you know, really good, no, it means royalty. It means royal blood. You know, who is college football royalty? Well, God, it's, it's the USC's that have 11 national championships and six, six Heisman trophies. It's the Oklahoma's, mm-hmm. it's the Texas, it's Ohio State. It's, the, it's those programs that have, it's Alabama that have multiple national championship trophies sitting in their trophy case and multiple Heisman trophy winners and just this tradition of football. That's royalty, right? That's not us. We're the spoilers, right? We're the ones who, we're the innovators. We're the, we're the outside the boxers. Um, so we're not blue bloods. So to me, we needed to part, like we talked about at the beginning, like studying history in order to help you understand what happened in the past to help shape what you want to have happen in the future. I'm a big believer that you have to know yourself know who you are, know what you want to be in order to figure out how to get to where you want to go, right? There's, there's self-reflection. There's, you know, there's, um, you know, inward looking before you just go out and go, you know, I'm I'm not a big word vomit guy, right? I think before I speak, I think before I act. So, you know, and I'll use a specific example. A lot of people, you know, were throwing around names like 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 Urban Meyer and Lane Kiffin, and you know, bring all these guys in. And a lot of guys who I spoke with were not on board with that, for the reason that why would those people, or why are those people going to come to our university? Okay. They're going to come to our university and use it for their own personal gain. Right? Mm-hmm. They're going to use it to whether it's a you know a step back from the NFL or it's a launching pad for you know a career that was you know was here and has you know fallen off and is now coming back. And that's not um, at least in our opinion, that's not who who we are. Right, that that's not looking out for the long-term benefit, the long-term um, success of, of our program. Right. Um, you know, in you you said in the, you know, the the phrase that you wanted to focus on was in the you know help, help me out here, I man. I can't remember exactly exactly my own words. Yeah, but it's in the it's, pursuit of 
winning a championship, we are losing what made us great in the first place. Right. Like we talked about, it's that innovation. It's that willingness to to step outside the box. It's the willingness to, to shake the tree. Going out and hiring a, a, an Urban Meyer you know, or some big name coach to come in and, and take over our program so that they can you know, put a notch in their belt or you know, reestablish themselves, that, that's not innovating. Mm-hmm. That's not shaking the tree. That's not who we are. And so our point was, at no point did we ever say, this is who you have to hire. And this is who you have to, you know, know, not not only did we not even mention a candidate, um, you know, many, many guys wanted, um, well, not only did we not only mention a candidate, but we didn't even say, you have to hire this guy. What we said was, it may be time to look back and have a conversation. It may be time to look at somebody within the family, somebody who understands that struggle. Somebody who understands who we are and how we need to how we need to to f- continue to fight and innovate to get into that club, mm-hmm. right? And I'll say some guys wanted wanted and wanted Justin Wilcox, and some guys wanted Chip Kelly, and some guys you know. But all of us simply wanted and asked Rob just to have a conversation, and he did. Hey include these people in your search, Mm -hmm. get their perspective, listen to what they have to say, listen to what they have to share about how they feel, you know, the direction of the, wherever they would take the direction of the program and how they would take it there, because that's important. We want, and, and, and the, the, the very last line of the, and this is what I always come back to in, in any time I've talked to people about this letter is the very last line um, was spoken by somebody else and I, and I included it. Somebody who um, is pretty important in, in Oregon football history um, was we want our program, not just this job, to mean something to our next head coach. How in the world could that be a bad thing? Like, <laughs> we, okay, wait, so hold on. We're gonna get criticized because we want our next head coach to care about our program and not just the status of this job. I don't understand how that's a bad thing, right? So that's the core of the entire letter is when you do make this decision, it may be time to look at somebody in the family. It may not. But will you please have that, have that person as part of your conversation, as part of your discussion? Because knowing who you are and from where you have come helps shape where you go in the future. Right? And we want our, our program, the program that we have, we've helped build, the program that we have worked really hard for, we want that program to, to succeed. We want to see those guys. We, we want to see Jeff Mayle celebrating in, in mm-hmm. the end zone. We want to see, you know, Marcus and, and, and the group going out and beating Florida State in the road. Like, we want to see those things that like we talked about earlier. Like, 
Every single one of us as former players wants to see this program be on top for a long, long time. And we want to see this next group, whoever it is, hold up that trophy. We want them to experience it as, as members of this family. And so that letter was written um, at a time when we'd been left by two people who, who had other priorities. Willie, in one year, goes to Florida State. Mario, after four, goes back home to Miami. All right. This is a time to sit and evaluate who we are. And um, you know what's interesting is, is this idea that, and I've heard it a couple of times, oh, Joey Harrington hates Dan Lanning. And, you know, oh, he's so disappointed. <laughs> it couldn't be farther from the truth. Like the, the irony is everything that we've talked about during this hour is exactly who Dan Lanning is, right? Mm -hmm. He's exciting. He's young. He's innovative. He recruits. He connects. You know, I loved his, his part about Mason Jewell. I believe that's his, his alma mater. And he says, you know, I love Mason Jewell, but if Mason Jewell calls to ask me to come be their next head coach, I'm going to stay at Oregon. Thank you very much. Right. Like this desire to be part of something and build something and put your mark on it. And because Bilotti wasn't a, Bilotti wasn't a duck. Bilotti came from Chico. Chip Kelly wasn't a duck. He came from New Hampshire. Rich right. Brooks wasn't a duck. He was a beaver. Like, <laughs> Nobody, nobody, nobody remembers that Rich Duck or Rich Duck, Rich Brooks went to Oregon State. But all of them came in wanting to make a mark and to leave this university and this football program better than it was when they got there. Right? Because right. they cared. It was, it meant something to them. It wasn't just a job. It wasn't just something on their resume that they could take to Florida State. It wasn't just a way to leverage, a way to get back into Miami. It was important to them. And that's why I believe that our program has been so strong for so long. Because it was built on the backs of people who cared. Rather than people who saw it as an opportunity. And so we are at an interesting time. We're at a really interesting time in this, in this football program because um, on one hand, we're as close as we've ever been to what it is we wanna get. On the other hand, we're not too far from you know, two coaches, well, three coaches in six years, mm -hmm. you know, I won't say instability, but, you know, that's, that's a lot of turnover. Mm -hmm. um, I think to, I say to close up and I don't want to say close, you know, I'll sit and talk for how long, <laughs> um, and, and you're more than welcome to ask more questions about this. I'm happy. Like I said, I'm an open book. Um, that letter was written, well, I wrote it. I'll take ownership for it. I've got nothing to be, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, 
I wrote it and was put together with input from 13 other guys who, who care, right? Who care and who understand and who, um, and who want to see their family members experience what we didn't quite get to experience. And I don't know. It, it may be a, well, I'll say this, to a man, every single person on that, on that letter, if you asked him, would you be willing to, you know, use the phrase, sell your soul, you know, but bring in whoever it is to, to rent a championship, would you do it? I would say that all of them would say no. Because we're not here to rent a championship then fall off the earth, right? Mm -hmm. How do we win it in a way that's longstanding and, and sustainable and continues to be who we are, which is innovators and people who push the envelope and think outside the box and, and shake that tree of blue bloods that you know, we still have not been able to, to crack. You know? That's who we are. I think it's interesting when you talk about this, sometimes I reflect to, you know, part of this, the identity of the Oregon program really is that pursuit of a national championship, you know, as an underdog and an outsider. And I almost think, you know, what would it be like to be an Oregon fan on the other side of that? Um, you talk about building sustainable success, and of course we want that, but there's, a, you know, the alternate universe where, where Mariota does get us over the hump in, in 2015 and we do win. What is that even like as an Oregon fan? It's probably something that we maybe don't need to worry about it and a problem that we'd certainly all like to have. Well, yeah, but... we'll address that when we'll cross <laughs> that bridge when we come to it. Right, exactly. Um, well, anyways, that's, that's it for questions uh, that I had, but I just want to thank you again for coming on here. It was, it was a really awesome conversation, lived up to certainly all my hopes for what it would be. And I'm really excited uh, for our audience of Ducks fans to, to get to hear your perspective and hopefully kind of, you know, fill in some of the gaps that they may have had about, you know, what you think about the Oregon program's identity and, and some of, of course, the controversy around that letter, which was all uh, pretty silly in my mind. But thank you. Um, and, you know, as you go out, feel free to tell our audience a bit about what you're doing with Talking Ducks or kind of anything else that you want to talk about. Oh, gosh. Well, the, I mean, the Talking Ducks thing, that's, a, that's just kind of something fun that Jordan and I and Anthony right. and Aaron do, uh, do uh, weekly. It's been nice to be able to, uh, we've taken ownership of it, which um, <laughs> kind of, uh, I don't want to say mandated my uh, appearance on, on social media, <laughs> but uh, which has been an interesting experience altogether. Um, uh, but, but really for me, the, the thing that I, I say I'm most proud of and, and, or, or care the most about is, is the students in our foundation. Um, you know, the, we give, I call them community quarterback scholarships. Um, 
people got confused and thought you had to be an athlete to apply. So we've, <laughs> we've adjusted to community leadership. Uh, and, and we find students from all around the state graduating high school seniors and give them four-year scholarships to in-state you know, colleges, universities, junior colleges, um, you know, any, any post-secondary education. We connect them with mentors in their field to help open doors. Um, very similar to you know, the idea that, that my dad shared with me when I was trying to choose where to go to school is um, right. it's not necessarily what you know. I mean, this is such an old, you know, you know, such a cliche, but, you know, the idea that it's not that I have a Stanford degree. It's, it's the people that I know and the, and the relationships I've built and the connections that I make that will help open doors. And that's, that is the, that is the goal of, of my foundation's program is to find incredible young men and women from around the state who've invested in the state, who care about the state, who want to live, grow and work and raise a family and better the place in which we all live and open doors for them, right? Uh, help them realize their dreams because I want to be <laughs> the, the little, the, the line that I use, I want to be 80 years old and sitting on my front porch in a rocking chair and know that our city and our state are in good hands because, um, because of the, the students in our program, because I know that our state is being run by people who truly have uh, its best interests at heart. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. So if, if you want to go on to HarringtonFamilyFoundation.org and, you know, donate or volunteer our time we're we're, we're covid reorganizing reorganizing like everybody right right uh, trying to figure out how to exist in this post-virus world but um yeah that's uh that's my jam that's what keeps me going that and my that and my two boys and my beautiful family my beautiful wife and coaching basketballs on saturday so um yeah that's that's about it that's awesome. Well, around here, we usually like to close out our episodes with a go ducks. So you want to give us a go ducks to, to end this thing? Just a go ducks. Yep. <laughs> we'll see. Look, okay. So here you go. <laughs> There's so many different go ducks. Is it, is it the old school go ducks or does the evolution of go ducks has, has become S apostrophe C O go ducks, right? Right before, like, right. And, and I was kind of, you know, so that's where we are now is the <laughs> SCO ducks. You know, Bill Musgrave was like, go ducks. <laughs> when I was there, kind of in the middle, it was G apostrophe D U C K S, right? So we just took out the go, like a little bit of a outside, it was just good ducks, you know, go ducks. <laughs> now it's good ducks, you know, so. I'm not even sure where to go, right? I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with our you know the identity you know right who we are you know so it's go ducks or it's good ducks or it's good ducks 